You know what people are freaking out about? There's a, a balloon, a Chinese spy balloon over Montana. Oh my God. <laughs> now they know where we keep the cows. <laughs> Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WN8, no, where am I? Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe for you every day on the Internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing Planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Now, officially, in our 20th year of troublemaking, muckraking, broadcasting, blogging, and everything else. Thank you very much for joining us today. We've got a lot to get to today, including, uh, if time hopefully allows... Some of your phone calls, as it is our last chance to hear from you before President Joe Biden's State of the Union address on Tuesday night. But the horrific news out of Turkey and Syria continues this afternoon with Turkish authorities now saying more than uh, 2,300 people have died from a devastating 7.8 magnitude earthquake near the southern border with Syria, bringing the overall death toll in both of those countries now to more than 3,400 last I was able to check as we go to air today, though that tally has been quickly rising throughout the day. It's expected to continue to do so following Monday's pre-dawn quake and a bunch of large aftershocks that have continued to flatten buildings and rock wide swaths of southern Turkey and neighboring northern Syria, a region already, by the way, in strife thanks to Syria's continuing 12-year civil war and refugee crisis. Uh, Rescue efforts continuing in both countries at this hour. Desi Doyne, you've been keeping a close eye on this horrific disaster. Uh, Anything else we should know at this hour? Well, yes. Unfortunately, the death toll is now officially above 3,800. That's through the BBC after those two major earthquakes that hit southeastern Turkey. Um, The epicenter was about 16 miles east of the Turkish city Turkish city of Nur 
Doggy. Um, so first, it was a massive 7.8 magnitude earthquake um, that hit in the pre-dawn hours on Monday. That was, as you mo- mentioned, near Turkey's border with Syria. Seismologists say it was one of the largest ever earthquakes recorded in Turkey, and survivors said that it took about two minutes for the shaking to stop. Um, and then 11 minutes... That's min- a long time. That's a very long time, which gives a lot yeah. of time for buildings to begin uh, yep. getting damaged. Um, and then right after that first 7.8 magnitude, about 11 minutes later, was it was followed by a 6.7 magnitude mm. aftershock. And then about 12 hours later, another magnitude earthquake of 7.6. Oh, so man. that's been three major earthquakes yeah. and even and dozens more aftershocks that have continued. I mean, there's videos that have been posted to social media that are showing multi-story buildings just collapsing like a stack of pancakes in, in seconds. And when I uh, checked the, uh, the the weather out there as this was all ongoing, it was really cold. It was really rainy and snowy in, in yes. the region. That did not help. Yes, I'm temperatures guessing. are hovering near freezing um, and have been throughout the day. And there's an ongoing uh, storms that have been uh, just inundating the region for days now and are expected to continue. Um, and the BBC reports that that is seriously hampering rescue efforts as rescues are try- rescuers are trying to uh, comb through mountains of rubble in, as you said, freezing and snowing conditions to look for survivors. Now, the U.S., Europe, and about a dozen other countries around the world are sending aid and support to help with the rescue efforts, including specialist teams, sniffer dogs, and you know, earth-moving equipment and stuff. Um, and the World Health Organization does warn that the death toll is likely to climb. It could increase as much as eightfold um, as they find more victims in the rubble. In the rubble, and of course, there are tens of thousands of victims that are now displaced in this freezing weather and in need of food, water, and shelter. And, and it's even worse in war-torn northern Syria, where millions of refugees are living in camps on both sides of the border with with uh, Turkey. And, you know, this is something that uh, we talked about uh, the other day. We had this what, three, four weeks of rain, this atmospheric uh, uh, rivers that were coming into Southern California. Imagine right. had we had a huge quake. In the middle. In the middle of that. Series of storms. Yes, I know. At the same time. They call that a a compound disaster. And, of course, having one major natural disaster severely tests both regional and national and local emergency response. Having more than one at the same time is something that emergency management experts worry about. Um, Because that is obviously a problem with with climate change that's increasing the frequency and intensity of extreme weather events that can strike at any time, as can any of these other major disasters like earthquakes. Yep. Uh, we will uh, keep our eyes on that throughout the hour. If there's any uh, noteworthy developments, Des, uh, jump in and let me know. In the meantime, uh, as noted, I uh, I had hoped to take some of your calls a little bit later on President Joe Biden and what will be his second official State of the Union address to a joint session of Congress on Tuesday. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, I believe. I'd, I'd still love to hear from you in a bit if you would like to line up now as far as what you hope to hear from President Biden in his remarks this year. What you hope to hear, what you think you'll hear, what you think you won't hear, what you fear you will hear. Uh, any of your thoughts on the speech in advance of the Tuesday night speech, uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK if you would like to line up right now. I do need to hit some uh, other news items here. First, most importantly, uh, apparently, I, I want to make sure that everyone uh, is okay. 
and that you survived the great Chinese spy balloon crisis of the past few days in good order. I know uh, many of you folks, particularly on the political right, had quite a harrowing weekend from all of the danger and menace that you personally face from this tremendous threat to our very way of life here in the U.S. I hope you are all okay today and hugging your loved ones yet again, knowing that you have survived this grave threat from communist China. And I don't know why, but it looks like neither President Biden nor Vice President Kamala Harris will be resigning in shame and ignominy today, despite statements uh, and demands from uh, folks like South Carolina's Republican Congressman Joe Wilson on Saturday, who declared, quote, the catastrophic Chinese spy balloon spectacle clearly threatened American families from Alaska to my home community in South Carolina and confirms President Biden and Vice President Harris should resign, unquote. They should resign? Really? Unfortunately, uh, as loony as Joe Wilson is, he was hardly the only one reacting ridiculously in response uh, as the Department of Defense reported on Saturday after ending our long two- or three-day national nightmare, a uh, U.S. Air Force fighter safely shot down a Chinese high-altitude surveillance balloon Saturday, according to Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin in a written statement. President Joe Biden ordered the action last Wednesday, but it was delayed until the balloon was no longer over land and was over water off the south coast of South Carolina, off the coast of South Carolina, in order to ensure no Americans on the ground were harmed, which sounds reasonable to me. Austin said, quote, the balloon, which was being used by the PRC or People's Republic of China in an attempt to surveil strategic sites in the continental U.S., was brought down above U.S. territorial waters. Now, reports today indicate that the debris from the remnants of that spy balloon have uh, now been retrieved and are being taken back to the FBI lab at Quantico. Uh, Austin said on Saturday, quote, today's deliberate and Lawful action demonstrates that President Biden and his national security team will always put the safety and security of the American people first while responding effectively to the PRC's unacceptable violation of our sovereignty. U.S. officials first detected the balloon and its payload on January 28 when it entered U.S. airspace near the Aleutian Islands. It traversed Alaska and Canada and then reentered U.S. airspace over Idaho. An unnamed senior defense official, according to the Pentagon, so this is likely a civilian um, a political appointee versus a uniformed officer, said, quote, President Biden asked the military to present options. And on Wednesday, President Biden gave his authorization to take down the Chinese surveillance balloon as soon as the mission could be accomplished without undue risk to civilians under the balloon's path. Military commanders determined that there was undue risk of debris causing harm to civilians while the balloon was over land. Again, sounds reasonable. A uh, An F-22 Raptor fighter from... Um, Langley Air Force Base, Virginia, fired one Sidewinder missile at the balloon and took it down. It fell approximately six miles off the coast in about 47 feet of water. No one was hurt. And yes, the crisis was ended, at least in reality. 
if not in GOP media circles where they finally found something new to complain about in hopes that you would not notice that they actually have no plans to deal with any of the previous crises that they ran on last November, like crime and inflation and manufacturing and supply chain issues, etc., and that they are hope that you don't notice that they are currently on a trajectory to tank the U.S. and global economies by refusing to improve to approve an increase in the amount of money that the U.S. may borrow in order to pay its current bills for all the stuff that Congress and presidents of both parties have for years agreed to pay for, you know, the debt ceiling. The Pentagon's news release, meanwhile, notes that long before the weekend shootdown, U.S. officials took steps to protect against the balloon's collection of sensitive information, mitigating its intelligence value to the Chinese, at least according to this uh, Department of Defense news release. What those mitigating factors are and if they actually happened, of course, we don't know currently, uh, to my knowledge. But the unnamed senior defense official said the recovery of the balloon will enable U.S. analysts to examine sensitive Chinese equipment. Quote, I would also note that while we took all necessary steps to protect against the PRC surveillance balloons collection of sensitive information, the surveillance balloons overflight of U.S. territory was of intelligence value to us, according to the official, who said, quote, I can't go into more detail, but we were able to study and scrutinize the balloon and its equipment, which has been valuable. The suggestion here, and we heard uh, similar from other experts over the weekend, is that ultimately this incident will end up yielding more information to the U.S. than it does for China. Now, I can't confirm that myself either way, but that is the claim that U.S. defense officials at least seem to be making here. They note the balloon never posed a military or physical threat, but that its intrusion into American airspace over several days was an unacceptable violation of U.S. sovereignty. The official added that it is not the that it is uh, not the first time in recent years that this has happened. Chinese balloons briefly transited the continental U.S. at least three times during the prior administration. Uh, the Trump administration, that according to the official, uh, but that was not announced publicly by the prior administration, either because they did not know about it at the time or because they chose to keep it secret from the American people for whatever reasons. At this point, we don't know. While Chinese officials admitted the balloon was theirs, they said it was a runaway weather balloon, though they do seem mighty angry about the U.S. downing this weather balloon and collecting its remnants for study. U.S. officials insist the balloon was for surveillance purposes that, quote, purposely traverse the U.S. and Canada, and we are confident it was seeking to monitor sensitive military sites. So I hope that all Americans can now breathe easy for the time, for the moment, of course. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're OK after this great crisis of the last several days. And uh, I do hope to open up the phones, like I said, in a bit. So if you've got something to add to all of this, you think that I am missing something here, that I have been too snarky about all of this, 
or not snarky enough, please feel free to ring in and let me know. 818-985-5735. Some electoral news. Well, of, wait, hang yes, on. Before, yes, before you uh, yes, continue on, yes. I just want to weigh in and say that I think that it was very interesting that Republican elected officials in several states yeah. uh, kept suggesting that their voters, their residents, yeah. would uh, get out their guns and try to shoot down that balloon themselves, even though it was at 60,000 feet about... Much farther away than I think any yeah. rifle could reach. Yeah, they got pretty big guns. Out yeah, they're there not now. that big. You sure? Okay. Well, apparently you are sure because they didn't succeed in shooting it down with their with little their, rifles. With their yes, little, they did not. Little pistols. All right. Uh, as I noted, some electoral news today before we get to your calls. Despite uh, falling precipitously over the past six months or so, after an historic 8% annual inflation rate for the bulk of 2022, the Federal Election Commission announced new contribution limits late last week for the 2024 election. Election cycle. The Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act of 2002, yes, during the George W. Bush era, naturally, apparently allows the commission to increase contribution limits every odd numbered year to reflect changes in inflation. Since inflation skyrocketed in 2022 to the highest level in decades, unprecedented contribution limit increases reflect that historic economic heat, according to Open Secret News today. Of course, there is uh, something quite perverse about all of this. When inflation rises, people, most people, certainly the poor and the working class people, in theory, they have, because of their rise of prices, they have less money to spend on other things, you know, because things are more expensive. However, if you are wealthy and you've got plenty of money, well, good news you can now contribute even more of it to political campaigns. Now, of course, this applies to everyone. Even struggling, poor, and middle-class folks can contribute more to political campaigns if they like under these new rules. But as luck would have it, those folks actually have less money to be able to donate thanks to inflation. But rich people should have no problem. Nice how this works, eh? Individual donors can now give $3,300 per candidate per election. That's an unprecedented $400 increase from $2,900 during the two, uh, 2022 election cycle. That means between the primary and general elections, one single donor can now give a candidate up to $6,600, $6,600. That's $3,300 per election or as much as $9,900 if a race actually advances to a third election, to a runoff election. Now, do you have that much money to give to a political candidate? Because I'm guessing the answer for most folks listening today is no. Is this getting obscene? Yes, but it has been obscene for a long time and it gets even worse. The contribution limit to national party committees also jumped from $36,500 per year to $41,300 per year. And I know there are a lot of poor and middle class folks out there who will look forward to maxing out that donation to their favorite political parties. Am I right? But that's not all. The annual maximum contribution to special national party committee accounts, for example, to help pay for party conventions and such, 
calculated as three times the contribution limit to the party committee uh, committees. Well, that increased from one hundred and nine thousand five hundred dollars to one hundred and twenty three thousand nine hundred dollars. Let's all start writing those checks, shall we? In effect, the uh, changes could allow an individual donor to give the uh, three national party committees uh, and their special accounts nearly $2 million per party per election cycle. And uh, while all of this uh, will uh, likely have no effects, no effect uh, directly on, you know, folks like you and me, I can think of a few folks who will almost certainly be delighted about this news. The network of donors and activists groups uh, led by far right billionaire Charles Koch will oppose Donald Trump for the 2024 Republican nomination, mounting a direct challenge to the former president's campaign to win back the White House, they have announced. Now, I'm guessing there are some folks hearing that news with their head kind of exploding at this point, trying to figure out, if, is this news good news or is this news bad news? The Koch Network, they are terrible people with way too much money to spend, Thanks to tax shelters and tax dodges and not being taxed nearly enough and getting huge tax breaks, by the way, from Republicans in the Trump administration. But now the Koch network is opposing Donald Trump and he's terrible, too. Right. Well, I would argue that while um, Donald Trump may be terrible, uh, he, he not maybe he is terrible and should be in jail and perhaps could be in jail before the first votes are ever even cast in the 2024 primary. He would still be, at least in my opinion, among the easiest to defeat of all of the Republicans believed to be preparing to run for the GOP nomination in 2024. Either way, for a small group of millionaires and billionaires to have this kind of control over uh, over the the course of our elections remains yes obscene Emily Seidel, the chief executive of the Koch Network's flagship group, Americans for Prosperity, wrote in a memo released publicly on Sunday, uh, noting, quote, the best thing for the country would be to have a president in 2025 who represents a new new chapter. So a Republican who is not Trump, in other words, uh, I promise you that if Trump wins the nomination, nonetheless, they won't, you know, they're not going to be dumping hundreds of millions of dollars to support Joe Biden or whoever the Democratic nominee turns out to be. The three page missive from AFP repeatedly suggests that the group is taking on the responsibility of stopping Trump. With Seidel writing, quote, lots of people are frustrated, but very few people are in a position to do something about it. AFP is now is the time to rise to the occasion, she writes. The move marks the most notable example of uh, to date of an overt and coordinated effort from within right wing circles to stop Donald Trump from winning the GOP nomination for a third straight presidential election. All of this, according to The Washington Post on Sunday, some Republicans have grown increasingly frustrated with Trump after disappointing midterm elections in which he drew blame for elevating flawed candidates and polarizing ideas. But absent a consolidated effort to stop Trump, many critics fear that he will be able to exploit GOP divisions and chart a course to the nomination just as he did in 2016. 
While the memo did not name a spending target, AFP's affiliated Super PAC spent more than $69 million in the 2022 cycle, according to the FEC disclosures. But in past presidential cycles, AFP has spent considerably more than that to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. And I believe we can expect the same thing coming up in 2024, especially now that the spending limits have been raised all across the board. The Koch Network now joins the Club for Growth, another of the largest right-wing outside spenders and several of the party's biggest individual donors in signaling their opposition to Trump's current campaign. Others, however, are holding back for now, though I do promise, again, that if Trump wins the nomination, they will all be back on board in an instant. Don't worry. This uh, salvo from the Koch Group, Americans for Prosperity, according to the Post, uh, one of the biggest spenders in American politics, marks a reversal after they sat out the past two presidential primaries. That said, they spent heavily for Trump-led efforts, for for instance, to promote that $1.5 trillion tax code overhaul in 2017, which netted hundreds of billions of dollars for corporations and the wealthy, like the Coke Network folks. But in actuality, um, you know, in presidential elections since 2015, these groups uh, like AFP, uh, while they have sort of stayed on the sidelines uh, since 2015 uh, when it comes to uh, the, the presidential race and Donald Trump. Uh, in fact, back in 2015, they identified five other presidential candidates who they were willing to support. They all fell to Trump. But of course, the group continued to spend, yes, liberally to buy members of Congress and state officials in the meantime, even if they didn't enter the presidential race when when Trump was in it. <laughs> they continued to spend liberally. That's I'm sure what the I said. Reporters were also having fun with that word. Oh, too. no, that that's me. That's you. That's me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, among the people already very close, among the potential candidates for 2024 that are already very close in various ways to Coke World, uh, Vice, former Vice President Mike Pence, his former chief of staff, used to oversee the political operations at Coke, um, the uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. He was backed by the uh, Koch political machine back when he represented Wichita, Kansas, as a congressman. That's where Koch Industries is headquartered. Uh, Nikki Haley, former Southern uh, uh, South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, she's expected to announce her bid in a couple of weeks, a week or so, uh, for the uh, presidential nomination. She uh, attended a Koch donor conclave in recent months, and of course, the Koch-backed super. A, a, a Coke-backed super PAC supported Ron DeSantis before he won his uh, GOP primary back in 2018 on his way to becoming the now two-term Florida governor and a front-runner for the 2024 GOP nod. And, of course, even though the millionaire and billionaire funders of the dark money AFP groups can already give as much as they feel like, thanks to the Citizens United uh, decision by our corrupt far-right U.S. Supreme Court, well, now they can give even more money 
directly to these candidates and uh, to the Republican National Committee if they feel like it, because of uh, which, which is surely very convenient for them, because the FEC has now raised the limits. And don't get me wrong. Again, I just want to you know be fair so nobody gets the wrong idea. Yes, you can. Anyone listening to me here, as long as you're a citizen, can also give millions of dollars legally, if you like, uh, to these uh, candidates and to these parties. Of course, uh, you have to have millions of dollars to do that. But other than that, these laws are totally neutral, right? One more story before we get to a break and we come back with hopefully some of your calls on any or all of this and what would um, what you would like to hear from President Biden's State of the Union address on Tuesday night. Uh, just a bit more evidence here for those who are still allowing yourselves to believe, uh, you know, to to be duped that Donald Trump actually had the uh, 2020 election somehow stolen from him or that any of his campaign folks actually believed that that was the case either then and now. Well, a newly released audio recording obtained by the Associated Press offers a behind-the-scenes look at how former President Donald Trump's campaign team in a pivotal background state knew that they had been outflanked by Democrats in the 2020 presidential election. But even as they acknowledged defeat, according to the uh, audio recording, they pivoted to allegations of widespread fraud that were debunked repeatedly by election officials and the courts. The audio from November 5, 2020. So this is just two days after the election. This audio is now surfacing once again as Trump is seeking the White House while continuing to lie about the uh, 2020 outcome and, and Joe Biden's win. The Wisconsin, this took place in Wisconsin, the Wisconsin GOP political operatives in a strategy session. Again, two days after the election, they even praised Democratic turnout efforts in the state's largest counties. They appeared to joke about their own efforts to engage black voters. Ha ha. According to this uh, recording that was obtained last Thursday by the AP, the audio centers mostly on Andrew Iverson. He was the head of Trump's campaign in Wisconsin. And in at least one instance, he's heard on the tape uh, not only conceding that Trump lost in the Badger state, but saying out loud that they're going to uh, pick up Trump's false claims and pretend that the election in Wisconsin was somehow stolen by Democrats. Standing by, they said, to help the communications team to, quote, fan the flames and otherwise stand by for, quote, any stunts that we need to pull in support of it all. Here's the drill. Comms is going to continue to fan the flame and get the word out about Democrats trying to steal this election. We'll do whatever they need our help with. Okay, so just be on standby in case there's any stunts we need to pull. <laughs> so, in case you couldn't hear that, here's the deal. He said, comms, communications team, is going to continue to fan the flames and get the word out about Democrats trying to steal this election. We'll do whatever they need. Just be on standby if there's any stunts we need to pull. Iverson, by the way, is now the Midwest Regional Director for the Republican National Committee and no doubt still on standby for pulling any stunts that his party needs him to, even if it's making false claims about a stolen election in order to undermine American democracy itself. 
AP notes that the copy of the recording of the full meeting came from a former campaign official and a Republican operative who recorded it. The operative did not want to be identified out of concern for personal and professional retaliation, but said they came forward because Trump is mounting a third attempt now for the White House. But what's interesting in this tape is that they admit that they did not win. They knew that they lost. So when he's talking about fanning the flames, they know about, you know, stealing uh, uh, the election being stolen from them. They knew they were lying. Wisconsin, of course, was a huge part of Trump's victory back in 2016 when he uh, won the state, smashing through the uh, so-called blue wall in the upper Midwest. But then Biden defeated him by nearly 21,000 votes in uh, in Wisconsin in 2020. And uh, that result has withstood independent and partisan audits and reviews, as well as lawsuits and recounts demanding uh, d- demanded by the losing Trump campaign in the state's two largest and most Democratic-leaning counties, where just two days after the election, there was no discussion of Trump having won the state during the meeting of the Republican campaign operatives there. Instead, parts of the meeting focused on discussions about packing up the campaign offices, writing final reports. At one, t- uh, at one point on the recording, Iverson is heard praising the GOP's uh, efforts while I'm sorry, the Democrats efforts while admitting the margin of Trump's defeat in the state. He offered, quote, hats off to the Democrats and their get out the vote efforts uh, in a liberal leaning Dane County. Elsewhere, the recording centers on GOP Republican outreach efforts to the state's black community with the operatives at one point laughing over needing, quote, more black voices for Trump. Iverson also said uh, references uh, also references their efforts to engage with black voters, noting, quote, we ever talked to black people before? I don't think so. And of course, everybody in the room laughs. So there's your Republican Party. Keep that in mind next time you hear them pretending to support minority voters and candidates, their minority outreach. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of amazing to me that, you know, these Wisconsin Republican operatives, they knew that they were lying. And so, of course, naturally, the Wisconsin Republican Party promoted them, the people who were spreading sure, these lies. of course, failing up as they do. Uh, anyway, uh, for some of uh, today's uh, breaking news on on the uh, earthquake and and in Turkey and Syria and on, uh, Syria, I'm sorry, and on the balloon nonsense. But for all of that, I had finally actually hoped to get to a story today that I've been working on, trying to get to for a couple of weeks now, regarding some elections here in California that are still being legitimately, legitimately contested. After it turns out. We found out in late December in California that a number of ranked choice voting elections, which I have long opposed for various reasons that I'll get into when I finally do cover this story. But a ranked choice voting election in Alameda County uh, in the Bay Area was tabulated incorrectly. Several of them were on the computer tabulators that they use to tally these complicated uh, the RCV ranked choice voting, uh, the, the crazy algebra that nobody can follow that goes with those elections. In, and at least one losing candidate appears to have actually won his race when it was counted correctly with uh, ranked choice voting. Uh, in yet another instance of computer voting systems reporting winners as losers and losers as winners in 2022. We covered another similar failure just about two weeks ago in uh, New Jersey uh, recently. That was just discovered 
two weeks ago from the November 3rd election of last year. It's also continuing to cause problems. I hope to get back to that story in detail this week, as I've tried to for the past week or two. But I'm... uh, I'm, so I just wanted to toss that out there for now so you you know what you might be able to look forward to on the broadcast a little bit later this week if the radio gods are with us, even with this week's State of the Union. And uh, speaking of, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with some of your calls in advance of Tuesday's State of the Union on uh, if you'd like to talk about that or on anything that we've discussed above, including that dumb balloon story. Call in. Tell me how it is not dumb, how I am missing something about it. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK or... How you think old Joe Biden is gonna, is is doing as he heads into his third year in office? What you would like to hear from his uh, from the president on Tuesday in the State of the Union? What you fear you'll hear from him? 818-985-5735. And uh, and I've got a new poll that is out today from Washington Post and ABC News that kind of blows my mind and frankly underscores, as I see it, the failure of our corporate media with a huge majority of Americans believing that Joe Biden has accomplished, quote, not very much or, quote, little or nothing during his presidency to date. Really? Do you agree with that? Do you disagree? Give me a call. 818-985-KPFK on that or anything else on your mind. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to the world-famous Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. <laughs> to nowhere, but uh, we'll be riding on it with electric vehicles to help save the planet, so there's that at least. (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. About to go to your calls. If you want to ring in, now's your chance. Don't wait till the end. 818-985-KPFK. Two years into a presidency that the White House cast as the most effective in modern history, President Biden... Uh, is set to uh, deliver a State of the Union address on Tuesday to what Washington Post today describes as a skeptical country, with a majority of Americans saying they do not believe that Joe Biden has achieved much since taking office. That, according to a Washington Post-ABC News poll that is out on Monday, the poll finds that 62 percent, 62 percent of Americans think Biden has accomplished, quote, not very much or, quote, little or nothing during his presidency, while 36 percent say he has accomplished a great deal or, quote, a good amount. So let me lay my cards on the table here. Put me in that minority who says he has accomplished a great deal. In fact, 
I'm happy to uh, argue that no matter uh, how you or I may feel about him or might have uh, liked him to do more or liked him to do something different entirely, to suggest that he has not done a great deal when, in fact, he's accomplished more in the first two years of his presidency than perhaps any other president going back to at least FDR, it is either a ridiculous failure, the fact that a majority of Americans do not know that. It's either a ridiculous failure by the White House and the Democrats and or our corporate media who have failed to inform the American people about what Joe Biden has accomplished. And that is true whether you like what he accomplished or not. Feel free to disagree with me. My number is 818-985-5735. If you're listening in our live listening area in Southern California or anywhere across the great internets, 818-985-KPFK. I am curious where you fall on that question of how much Biden has accomplished or not and what you might like to otherwise hear him say or even fear that he will say in his second state official State of the Union address on Tuesday night. 818-985-KPFK. According to the new post-ABC News poll on many of Biden's signature initiatives from improving the country's infrastructure via a bipartisan $1.2 trillion bill that was passed in 2021 to making electric vehicles more affordable in the 2022 Inflation Reduction Act to creating more new jobs in two years than any president has ever helped to create in four years. Nonetheless, majorities of Americans say they do not believe he has made progress, which blows me away. Actually, what it tells me is that the media are failing to do their jobs. It's their jobs to inform the electorate, which clearly they have not done. It also is obviously a failure for the White House and, and, and Democrats to not get that news out. But again, it's the media's job to inform the public about what your public officials are doing, again, whether you like those things or not. And frankly, Joe Biden has done a whole bunch of things, uh, including, you know, uh, more diverse appointments to the executive branch by far than ever before. The lowest unemployment rate since 1969. More and more diverse federal judges appointed to the bench than either of his first uh, of, uh, of his uh, two predecessors in their first two years. I, you know, uh, $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill I mentioned, uh, legislation that invests some $400 billion in combating climate change, $52 billion towards boosting domestic manufacturing and bringing American jobs, such as uh, the manufacturing of computer chips, back to the U.S. He's put a cap on the price of insulin for seniors, $35 a month, an annual cap on out-of-pocket pharmaceutical expenses for seniors, $2,000 annually. The first federal gun safety legislation in about 30 years and much more. Is that a not enough? Well, maybe it's not. Would you have liked to see more? Okay. Something different? Fine. But let's not pretend it didn't happen. Give me a call, 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to... Uh, Vaughn in Granada Hills. Hey, Vaughn, welcome to the broadcast. Hello. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. I had a couple comments, uh, just like what you were just speaking about. Mm -hmm. I think he's doing okay, but I wouldn't mind a a younger person 
I don't know who they could put up that uh, he could throw his weight behind. And okay, fair enough. Let me let me ask thing. you a question on that, Vaughn. Uh, fair enough, and you know we're not to the twenty twenty four elections yet, and you can uh-huh. oppose him uh, if you presumably if he runs in favor of a younger person. That's fine. But uh, do you believe with uh, do you agree with the majority of Americans, 62 percent who says Joe Biden has not accomplished no. very much or little or nothing? No, I don't understand that at all. I, I took a picture of that, that, yeah. that graphic because I, I don't I don't understand that. But, yeah. OK. OK. A uh, couple of things. I just wanted to say about the Chinese balloon and I was just having to look at the paper online mm-hmm. and I saw this uh, the the. The line, the title saying, Republicans criticize U.S. response to Chinese balloon. And mm-hmm. I was going to say, well, that's exactly the same line it would have been if they'd shot it down. Right. That they would have come up with, like, oh, now look at you spread all this debris all over the place and we hurt right. somebody. Right. And we have no idea what kind of viruses were in that, what, what, what kind of uh, health yeah. disaster he just released above Montana. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it wouldn't, they wouldn't yep. have had to change that title. They just would have changed the yep. body of it. Yep, yep, But uh, so, and then I did want to say that I did hear, I think that same current person from um, mm-hmm. Norm, Norm, Nomad, 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 um, about that they, they didn't know about the three balloons during the mm. Trump era. And that, that was even weirder that I don't know how, when did they find out about them if they right. didn't know about them for that whole time. Yep. And um, but that 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 they did think that that was something they were going to have to work on. Yep. Their, their uh, domain infrastructure, whatever. They their balloon detection doing. technology. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So that is one other thing, and then yep. I just want to say, in terms of Biden's speech, I would just like him to not be like a campaign speech. Mm-hmm. So they can. I don't know if he could say anything without them accusing him of that, but uh, yes. I would like to not think it's that. Okay. And and I don't mind him not saying, seriously, no joke. That would be the only <laughs> he, other thing. I would. He, he says that a lot, doesn't he? Yeah. Right. Yeah, which is, which is how you know he's uh, uh, not telling the truth. Yeah. <laughs> or, he's, or he's uncomfortable. With right, it. exactly. Hey, thanks, Vaughn. I appreciate that Thank call. Okay. Uh, 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to, uh, where am I here? Daniel in Gardena. Hey, Daniel, welcome to the broadcast. All right, Brad. I, I jumped the gun. You came out with what Biden doing. I'm like waiting for the receipt. I, I was on hold. You did come out with some accomplishments. Oh, and you you had originally I, called in to to say what are his accomplishments, right? Yeah, yeah. I was waiting to lift them, and I was like, what a great way. It's a great build up. But then, as I'm waiting on hold, you did get into a list of his accomplishments. But that's not going to motivate the base. I'm sorry. I think it's. It was nothing for the working class. That's all. Really? Like any, like any what what business. what would you like to see? What what would you like to see for the working class? I mean, uh, especially. He he, I think yeah. He said it came to one of his campaign promises out the gate. Like with, what? Uh, like what? With the bailout, he was a promise X amount of dollars. I forget the promise. He was promised he ran on. Yeah. Within the X amount, he got offensive. Right. We got left with the period. Well, no. Right. What, he, what he had? Let me let me clarify, uh, uh, Daniel, for you because uh, you did get that uh, money that he promised. He had called for, I believe, it was sixteen thousand uh, for uh, all Amer. Uh, not sixteen thousand. Sixteen hundred for all Americans. And the Republicans and Donald Trump went in and they gave four hundred. And pardon me if my math is slightly wrong here because I, I I've lost track of it. But uh, okay. and he what what. 
what Biden ended up doing then was giving the rest of it. So he said Americans should each get $1,600. Republicans and, and, and Trump gave 400 So Biden came in and gave $1,200 to everyone else. He kept that promise, Daniel. Oh, well, fair enough. But that's comes on the table. And I don't think he's offered anything to motivate the Democratic base. That's all I'm getting at. But I'll... Uh, that you respond off the air. All right. Thanks, Daniel. I appreciate that call. And uh, whether he's, you know, uh, g- given the, the base something to uh, motivate them or not, I, you know, I would argue that if the base doesn't know about what he has done, if the base does not know that, yes, he did keep that promise, if the base does not know that he has invested more into uh, climate change, uh, technology, mitigation, uh, everything else, then any, not just any U.S. president, but any entity in the, on the planet ever with $400 billion at least going towards uh, moving us uh, away from the dirty fossil fuel companies towards clean, renewable energy. Well, I don't know uh, what it is that would motivate the base. Well, uh, yes. and I think part of the problem is that a lot of these major pieces of legislation, I mean, which would be huge if they passed really in any session of Congress, just because of the, the sheer volume of, uh, of both investment and, uh, and the programs putting forward to mm-hmm. help transition the economy away from fossil fuels. So you've got the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act in 2021. Yep. Then you've got the Inflation Reduction Act, like you said, the single largest investment in world history, pretty much, in climate action. And you've got also, remember, the CHIPS Act, the Semiconductor Act that brings Uh, back uh, semiconductor manufacturing and other types of electronics manufacturing to the United States. Those will take time to build. You have to take time, like more than a year, to build a a manufacturing facility. It it, it does. um, But the fact that the American public doesn't know about it, I would argue, is a failure of someone's. I'm going to chalk it up to the, uh, frankly, to the corporate media because it really is their job to let people uh, know what the what your public officials have done and not done. And again, you may not like those things that Joe Biden did, but you need to know what they are so you can therefore then, you know, vote against them. But, uh, to you know, he's forgiven up to what is it, 10 or 20 thousand dollars worth of student loans for uh Amer- I mean that seems like a pretty big uh deal now it's being fought by republicans but he is trying to give back uh to forgive up to $20,000 of student debt across the country I, I, and and you want to tell me that there's nothing for his base in there well only if they don't know about it, and that's what we try to uh, to combat every day. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. Yes, Dennis. Yeah, I just And also, I remember last week there was um, a focus group, a Republican focus group, where they had discovered that when they actually explained to the Republican voters in this Republican focus group yep. that what the actual Republican House agenda was, the people did not like it. They did not know about it right. until they heard about it. Then they decided they did not like it. And actually, that was uh, not Republican focus groups. They were independent, some leaning Republican, but they were independent focus groups uh, in three different states. I believe it was uh, uh, Minnesota or no, Wisconsin, Virginia and Texas, as I recall. They had no idea what the uh, Republicans were up to either, which works well for the Republicans when the American people don't know what they're up to. And again, another failure, I would say, 
of the corporate media. Uh, let's go to uh, uh, was that Al, uh, Alan in Laguna uh, Laguna Niguel. Hey, Alan, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you. Uh, two things. I wholeheartedly agree that uh, Biden has had a, a good domestic uh, run and that the media hasn't covered it. However, I have to give him an F minus in foreign policy now that the doomsday clock is at 90 seconds mm -hmm. and we're continually hassling with Russia and China and not doing enough to stop the war in Ukraine. What else would you like to see him do to stop the war in Ukraine, Alan? Quit sending all the military equipment there. You, you think that would stop the war? It would start something. It would start, of course, that has to be followed by negotiations, but there's never well. any mention in the, well, again, the me media, whenever they talk about Ukraine, it's who give, who's giving what weapons to them, who's uh, behind in their commitment, and there's no talk about what any diplomatic effort is to halt the Ukraine war. Well, uh, is that a failure of the media, or is that a failure of uh, the lack, are you saying that the, the lack of uh, uh, diplomatic efforts? Because I do believe diplomatic efforts are ongoing, but I would suggest if you say we should stop sending weapons over there, that somehow that is going to lead to peace talks? What it's going to lead to, Alan, is Russia overtaking Ukraine. Uh, and and then moving on to further countries and, uh, uh, you know, fascism getting a, a, an, a another hand above democracy in the heart of Europe. Uh, I'm sorry, but this, this is starting to sound like the domino theory. You let them take Ukraine. They're going to move on to somewhere else next. Right. Uh, look, I, That's right. I, That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's are you willing? Let's let's say never mind moving on elsewhere. Are you OK with Russia taking over Ukraine, a sovereign nation an empirical power taking over another nation? Because I suspect you were against it when it was the U.S. doing it in Iraq. So why would you favor Russia, uh, an empirical power taking over a sovereign neighbor? I did not say I favored that. OK. And if you think if you think that uh, Biden has done everything he can to uh, put an end to this war or to have a negotiated end to the war, then that's your opinion. But mm -hmm. I, I believe that okay. uh, obviously the uh, Russians had no business doing what they did. Right. Uh, at the same time, uh, we are doing nothing, nothing on the diplomatic front. That's actually not true, but I appreciate okay, your thoughts what, on what that. Are uh, uh, what are we doing? Well, what are we doing? Well, Actually, the, uh, the U.S. has been uh, calling for quite some time for there to to find a negotiated way out of this, saying that this is not going to be uh, settled on the battlefield. In fact, I was looking back at the State of the Union this morning from last year, from a year ago. Joe Biden promised we are not going to send troops into that battle. We will support them. We will support the Ukrainian people. But he has kept his promise on that. I, Alan, I got a bunch of people I want to try to get in in about two minutes left here. I hear what you're saying, and I I appreciate how he hung up on himself. All right, 818-985-KPFK. Um, and that's fine. You don't have to agree with me. Let me go to uh, Deanna in Santa Monica. Hey, Deanna, welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, hi. Uh, you know, we have a problem with not really Republicans. <laughs> they're fake Republicans, and they're anti-everything. They're up to a lot of skullduggery in jail. Oh, you, you, you keep uh, hitting your face keeps hey Deanna Deanna your face keeps hitting the phone. I gotta I gotta Okay. 
I got, I'm sorry. I got to hang up on you, Deanna. I wanted to hear her call, but her face kept hitting the phone. I think she was saying they're not even Republicans. They're fake Republicans. Not sure. Let me go to uh, Leah very quickly. Hey, Leah. Welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. I, I love you. Two things I want to say. Okay. Okay. Go. First of all, we we received yes. Some of us received a quote unquote stimulus money, twelve hundred dollars. Okay. But my question is, how much did the Biden administration? How many billions did he give away to the ultra rich? That's one thing. The second thing. When? Wait, 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 Leah, Leah, Leah. Hang on. When did he give away uh, billions to the ultra rich? In in what program are you talking about? How many? I asked. No, I asked how many billions did he give for the peanuts that we received? Uh huh. How many for the peanuts that we received? How much did he give away to the ultra rich? And I'm asking you, Leah. I'm asking you, which program are you talking about? In which he gave away hundreds of billions? No, no, I'm stimulus? asking. I yeah. said oh. we receive peanuts. Okay. Okay. Domestically, as citizens, okay? Those who needed help and those who did not, okay? Okay. We receive peanuts overall. And I'm asking uh, how much, how many billions of dollars okay. did he give away to in subsidies, et cetera, to the ultra rich? Fair that enough. Was one question. Fair enough, Leah. I'm concerned about. Uh-huh. I I, I got to go because I'm up against the top of the hour. Give me a call what, next week. I, I I do appreciate the call. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry because uh, I do have to get to Mo, who has been waiting for an hour, and he can do it in ten seconds. Go, Morris in Long Beach, brother. Let me tell you something. There ain't nothing that Joe Biden do. Ain't no policies. The greatest thing that Joe Biden did was he pushed back. He pushed back on fascism. There ain't no policy he can come up with that's greater than that. Joe Biden is a hero because he pushed back on fascism when there was no man in this country that could have did it. Talk to you later. Thank you, Mo. And thanks to my producer, Desi Doyen, to my board ops today, Mark Maxwell and Terry Guy. And to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us, especially you callers. Sorry I had to uh, give you short shrift at the end there. We'll try to do better next week. You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. Also on the Mastodons at the Brad Blog. We will see you there and at bradblog.com, hopefully tomorrow. And right here, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. to the Bradcast. We are 100% listener supported thanks to listeners like you who drop by bradblog.com slash donate.